Welcome to the WordPress Photography Podcast, the podcast for photographers who want to learn how to get the most out of WordPress to grow their photography business. You don't need to be a geek to understand WordPress. Settle back and listen as we show you how. Now, here's your host, Scott Wyden-Kivowitz. Welcome to episode 119. My name is Scott Wyden-Kivowitz, and today I'm joined by my guest, Jan Koch. Jan hosts the WP Agency Summit and consults businesses on hosting their own virtual events. His agency empowers community-driven businesses that serve digital agencies to host virtual events so they can grow their loyal audience and establish thought leadership. When he is not working on the business, he loves spending time with his wife and daughter or chasing his silver lab through his backyard. So welcome, Jan. Finally, we're connecting. Uh, and I'm glad to have you. And this is going to be a really good, a really good uh, educational discussion for a lot of photographers around the world. Thank you so much for having me, Scott. It's an honor. So, so tell everybody where you're from, because obviously uh, you've got a different accent than I do. So uh, <laughs> I want to share a little bit, uh, a little bit about your your backstory. Absolutely. So I am from Germany. So English is not my native language. Bear with me if I mess up sometimes. I'll do my best. Um, I started using WordPress in 2012, so that, that's originally where I got in touch with this online marketing digital space. And in 2013, I decided to become self-employed, and I haven't looked back ever since. So it's the best thing ever for me. And as you mentioned, we have a small family here that is supported by my online business and virtual events and stuff like that. Recently acquired virtualsummitmastery.com, which is the leading course for running virtual events. And it's actually the course I took to run my virtual events, to learn how to do the, the right process, how to make sure that the events are successful and stuff like that. So super excited about this, but I'm also very much looking forward to talk about all the good stuff we have coming up today. For sure. So you started using WordPress in 2012. I just did a quick Google search. That means you started using WordPress in version around 3.4. Yep. That's really interesting. <laughs> I love hearing that. I love hearing because like every stage of WordPress has a different look and a different function that didn't exist in the past. And it's, uh, you know, always fun to see when... Uh, just to date myself a bit, when I first started using WordPress, there was still version one and there was no gallery <laughs> system. So I started using NextGen Gallery, uh, whatever year it was, um, version one. Um, uh, that's, yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so let's leave uh, it at that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> let's leave it at that. Um, so so what what is your, your favorite thing about WordPress that, you know, um, has helped you stick with it and... Uh, you know, that helps um, keep you you intrigued and interested and wanting to recommend it to others? Yeah, that's a really good question. And there are two aspects, really. One is how flexible the system is. Like you can do almost everything with WordPress. If you know your way around PHP and MySQL, you can pretty much do a lot of things with WordPress. And then uh, I'm not a developer by trade. I've learned a business consultant, stu studied for a business consultant. So um, what I needed to rely on, especially in the beginning, is the community and the education from the community. And by diving into the community, immersing myself into that and sharing what I'm learning, learning from others, that is what really made me stick with WordPress because there are so many tutorials out there. There are so many helpful people 
that you can just approach on Twitter or Stack Overflow or whatever in any Facebook group that, that you might find around WordPress. People want to help you if you post a somewhat relevant question and have done your homework before that. So um, that, that's the best thing ever. And now with the virtual events that I'm hosting, I'm seeing this too, where speakers from all across the globe just willingly volunteer to speak and to help me get the word out, out of what I'm doing. I think that is the best thing and where many other CMSs can learn a lot from. For sure. Yeah, the community is definitely one of the best aspects of WordPress. I mean, the software is great, but you don't get the same experience community-wise that you do with other yeah. software um, in the website space. Like, yeah, sure, there's Facebook groups for for Squarespace or, or Wix and, and whatnot, but the interactions are not nearly as, as uh, in-depth as you get in the WordPress space. Plus, these dedicated events, both what used to be in person, <laughs> what's now basically <laughs> purely virtual these days. Um, I can't wait till we get back to the in-person stuff. Uh, yeah. How many can you? How many work camps have you been to? I'm just one. I have to admit, WordCamp one. Europe wow. in 2018 in Berlin. Did you speak at it, or were you just an attendee? I just was an attendee and met some friends okay. for the first time. Cool. Yeah, and WordCamp work Europe. So that's one of the bigger. Of the WordCamps, yep. there's two big ones: WordCamp Europe and your WordCamp. Uh, is it, I think it's called US. I think they changed the name. WordCamp US, um, it is. Yeah, they just um, change location every year. I think. Right. Yeah. Location. Yeah. Um, so, you uh, own a WordPress agency and you run an agency summit. First, can you can you explain what a WordPress agency is? A WordPress agency, in the in the broadest terms, is simply an agency that uses WordPress to deliver websites for customers. So when you talk to those agency owners or maybe even freelancers, WordPress freelancers, um, you will seldomly hear them say that they sell WordPress, but they say a website and they happen to use WordPress because WordPress is the best tool for them. And to be frank, that that is the angle they should take, I think, because um, the clients they serve or the clients I serve, they don't care whether it's WordPress, Squarespace, Wix, whatever. They just want a website that, that delivers the results they're looking for. So usually that is more brand exposure, that's more leads, more sales, stuff like that. And whether right. that happens to be done with WordPress or any other tool couldn't be of less importance for them. Um, one thing that I just that just comes to my mind is uh, I think the day before we are recording this automatic launch, the done for you services where they build websites right. <laughs> yep. for four thousand nine hundred US dollars and up. And I saw so many mixed feelings about this in the community. But what my initial thought was that most uh, WordPress agency owners and freelancers should thank them for that because they now I think have set a baseline for what you should charge for a website. I see many, many people when it comes to running an agency, running a freelance business, they undercut themselves on prices way too much, I think. When you, when you go to Fiverr, for example, you get a WordPress website for $100 or something like that. Essentially, they just slap a theme on the site and then that's it. Um, if you can now get to the right clients and they ask you for a quote and you open the discussion with, well, the founders of WordPress charge five grand for the most basic website. I can do it for four and a half. So that, that immediately doubles the prices of most agencies, I would assume, at, at least for the smaller <laughs> ones. <laughs> yeah, that's a, it, it's, uh, it's been interesting watching the discussion on, on the, more on the, on the agency side um, in, you know, on social media um, since that announcement came out. Um, you know, it, it, 
I think it impacts everybody in the WordPress space, but definitely, of course, the agency is more um, because now you're talking the the largest um, WordPress development company in, in theory um, is is now offering something that you offer or you yep. know other people offer, and it's just a. Uh, you could you could take it multiple ways. You can take it as as oh that hurts, or you can take it as oh good. There's another company, you know, serving clients um, that uh, maybe you know they'll try them and they won't like the experience. So they'll come to me and you know. <laughs> yeah. So um, I, I think community, it all comes community down over to, competition. Yeah, I think yeah. it all comes down to the loyal audience that you are building for your own agency. Yeah. And what I thought when I saw this is that they are just creating another revenue stream for a potential IPO later this year. So mm -hmm. they're just trying to make their company more attractive. And that, that is the job of every entrepreneur and every business owner. So I don't think you can blame them for them. Maybe yeah. they could have communicated it a little bit better and made it a little bit more <laughs> like obvious what they are doing. Right, right, right. Yeah, I'll, I'll be sure to link to that in the show notes for anybody who's interested in seeing um, what, what Automatic announced. Um, so everybody knows what, what an agency is now. Um, can you explain what... WP Agency Summit is? That is the one virtual event I think all WP Agency owners need to attend. That, that Obviously, I'm biased because it's my conference, <laughs> <laughs> but it's essentially an event uh, hosted for professionals and business owners who happen to use WordPress to build websites and serve their clients. And I'm bringing together industry-leading experts that either have grown like ravingly successful agencies um, for the last summit, I had the founder of TenUp, I had the founder of WebDev Studios, and si similar people on there. Um, I bring in marketing experts like Bridget Williard for Twitter marketing, for example. I bring in other CEOs and founders of ravingly successful companies in the WordPress space. For example, the founder of WP Media, the founder of Delicious Brains. Um, Another co-founder of WebDev Studios was on one of the panels that I hosted. And it's a mix of pre-recorded sessions and live webinars that go live during a certain time. And it's essentially a conference taken online where you have a certain start date and end date. And in that time, you can see all the conference contents for free, the pre-recorded contents. You, there was uh, 36 pre-recorded sessions last year. And then I had, I think, 10 live events so that's live webinars and panel discussions group discussions and those are all tailored to help the attendees grow their businesses from all sorts of angles so i run a business but i don't know everything when it comes to growing the business that's why i try to bring on experts who know a lot more than i do it's, it's purely for a selfish reason if, if i'm totally <laughs> honest because i want to learn how to grow my business <laughs> and then i i just ask them some questions that i know from overseeing what uh, con what communications go on in the Facebook groups, for example, or on Twitter, I see the quest the same questions come up over and over again. And those happen to be the questions that I'm facing too when I'm growing my agency. And those are the topics I want to talk about with the industry experts. And then everything is available for free while the event is live. And after the event is over, you can pay to get lifetime access to all the sessions. Awesome. Yeah, I you know what? It's... Um... It's a very smart thing to create something that is educational for the masses, but it but selfishly is for yourself, right? It's it's because you're 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 only benefiting everybody at that point, um, but you have your goal in mind, and in a way, 
you having your goals in mind helps others more because the content is being curated more to yep. what you want. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah, it is. Um, so, I, I also yeah. had uh, another different, or uh, an interesting conversation with Rand Fishkin, the co-founder mm -hmm. from Moss, on the, on the first WP summit I did in 2015. And we were talking about um, me not being a native English speaker, and I was telling him off camera that it might be a disadvantage for me because there was, um, or there still is, some form of imposter syndrome whenever I go on a talk because I, I'm worried to mess things up, and I do from time to time, but nobody really cares, luckily. Um, and he said, not being a native English speaker is an advantage because it makes me listen more carefully. And that is mm. something that I just wanted to get out there for everybody who's listening, who also struggles with imposter syndrome from time to time, is whatever you think is a disadvantage, try to turn that into an advantage. And for me, listening more carefully because I have to process actively what the counterpart, the interviewee I'm speaking to is saying, makes me dig a little bit deeper into that question sometimes. That's great advice. Uh, I definitely uh, suffer from imposter syndrome as well. Um, and uh, that is definitely, definitely great advice. Uh, and I completely agree with Rand. Um, I think uh, not only do you listen more carefully, but um, I also think that in some ways that WordPress, I mean, it's 40% of the internet at this point, yeah. right? Um, and I might even argue that the majority of that is not in the United States. That um, <laughs> I agree. Yeah. A, a very, very large portion is in Europe, and um, and and all over. So um, people can identify more with people who are speaking English, but also obviously not first, na you know, native, you know, English speakers uh, before. <laughs> So, yeah. so, you know, it's, um, I think it is an advantage for you in some ways as well. Um, okay, let's, uh, let's dive into the topic for today. Um, the topic is basically conversions for photography websites. Um, the first thing we wanted to talk about was Google Analytics. This is something that hopefully by now, every photographer is using Google Analytics for their websites. Um, there's if you're not, there's a lot of plugins that can help set it up for you. Um, Monster Insights is one. And uh, the one that I actually have been using is SiteKit, which is made by Google now. Um, and uh, that makes it really easy to not only set up your analytics, but connect it all from your WordPress backend, basically. Um, but hopefully everybody is using Google Analytics. Um, how can photographers um, identify conversion killers on their websites that's a really good point and one thing i would like to preface this conversation with is that if you have implemented google analytics a while ago please go into your account and double check that it's updated to version 4 because at some point version 3 i, I think it came out like october november last year um, at some point version 3 eventually will stop sending you data and then you're left with nothing if you didn't update um, conversion killers is one thing that I think everybody, every website owner should be aware of at some point. And it all depends on your current situation. So I would start with defining the goals, like what goal does your website want to achieve? If you're a photographer, chances are you want people to get onto your contact page 
to to book a shooting with you. You want people to get onto your pricing page so that you know that what you are showing them on your website is enticing enough for them to consider to hiring you. You want people to click on the call me button to book a call with you or to, to schedule a call with you. All these informations are something that you have to define before we even start about talking about conversion killers. Because if you don't know what the main goals of your website are, what are you going to optimize for? That That is that's the first step I would take. And then when it comes to looking into Google Analytics, it, it easily is overwhelming. But luckily, oh, yeah. I, I think you don't need to understand all that is going on there. You, you can easily spend two months in Google Analytics to master it, but I don't, I don't think you need it. Um, what I would start with is when you log into Google Analytics, I'm logging into my account right now, um, you want to look at the overall development of your traffic. Like, is your traffic going up? Is your traffic going down? That is, I would say, the first thing that you immediately should consider. And Google presents that right on the dashboard. Then what I would do is I would look, oh, brilliantly, perfect. Then I would look into the uh, audiences and I would see where the people are coming from. For photography sites, obviously, you want to have local traffic. You don't want to uh, target People, if, if you are located in New York, you don't want to target people in San Francisco, for example. It do, doesn't make sense. They won't drive over or fly over to book a shooting with you in most cases, un, unless you like some form of celebrity photographer. Mm. You want to make sure that when you are in the audiences tab or in, in Google uh, for, I think it's called acquisition and then user acquisition, you can see where the users are coming from and you can see in the audiences on a very beautiful map how your users are distributed in Google Analytics, where they're coming from. And that indicates where you should focus your efforts on creating new users. Is it like a Google listing, for example? Is it getting more exposure in local magazines, on your local online newspaper or something like that? Is it getting more active in local Facebook groups that you want to participate in and drive traffic back to your website? And um, when you are talking about all the traffic acquisition, what you should keep in mind is that Google can actually tell you the conversion rate inside Google Analytics, the, the true percentage rate, if tracking is enabled, which in the, in the US is way less strict than it is in Europe with GDPR and that stuff. Um, what you can do in Google Analytics in Google Analytics 4, there is a section called All Events, where you have predefined events. So that is uh, a click is an event, a file download is an event, the first visit is an event, page view, scroll, and so on. What you can do is you can target events based on the pages that you have on your website. So for example, you can set up an event for a page view on your portfolio page so that you see how many people come onto your website and actually see the pictures that you have on, see the galleries. You can target an event for your pricing page, for your contact page and so on. And I highly recommend you do that because this gives you numbers to operate on. It gives you like a baseline. And what is a little bit tricky is that when you create an event, it takes around 24 hours in Google to show. So you have to be a little bit patient with that. Um, 
you cannot like Google is a little bit delayed in, the, in these things. It's a little bit slow, but what you can do is you can create these events and then give give it like a week or two to collect some data before you really decide anything, and then it gives you a good idea of are you reaching the goals that you want to have? Say, for example, you want to have 5% of all the traffic coming to your website, landing on the contact page and sending you a message. That's where you get that 5% from. And if you see that you are at 1% rather than 5 you can look at where your website is leaking the traffic. So that would be in the engagement tab inside Google Analytics, you can see the number of views certain pages on your website get. You can see the time on page people spend on these individual pages. You can see the bounce rate on these individual pages. And if you just take like an hour or so to go through the list of those pages, you will immediately see where people spend more time, where, where people spend less time, and where people actually leave your website without taking any action. And that is... The, that that is one way to identify conversion killers. That's that's what I would do is focus on those pages that stick out the most, and then work your way up from there. And one thing before I stop rambling here, one thing is just do one change at a time and then give it a week or so at least before you measure the results. Because if you change five different things on five different places, and you see the metrics improve or decrease, you don't know which of these five changes can cause the change, essentially. So you just want to be testing one step at a time. So Google Analytics has uh, a lot of areas where you can dive deep into your your audience and pages that are, that are serving well and um, different events that are going on on your site and all these different things. And as you said, you can spend two months to, to dig into it and... Uh, and even then, you're only scratching the surface. <laughs> yeah. really, how far you, how far down the, the Google Analytics rabbit hole you can go? Um, but Google Analytics, Google Analytics is free for everybody who wants to use it. Um, there are paid ver- there's a paid version of it, but I don't think most people do that. Um, there is an alternative that is fairly new, but offers something really interesting. And we've been using it on the Imagely website, and I've been using it on my photography website, and it's called Microsoft Clarity also free. Um, and I find it fascinating to, um, to go through this. Now, I've used services like it in the past, um, services like click tracking and heat mapping and even uh, eye tracking, which is basically just mouse movement. And, and, it, and it's, they're fun uh, to, to, to look into, uh, into all the data and watch the videos that go on and, and whatnot. Um, but a lot of them charge, and a lot of them charge yeah. a lot of money. Uh, and Microsoft is making this free as of now. You never know what's going to happen in the future, which shocked me, the fact that they made this free. Um, so can you share a little bit uh, from your side of Clarity, how it compares to Google Analytics, and uh, some cool things you can find for conversion optimization and stuff from there? Absolutely. I think... Um... You, you nailed it. I was shocked too when Microsoft announced it. And to be honest, I was really hesitant to to put something from Microsoft on my website, even though I'm a PC user. I, I switched from Mac like three years ago. Um, I was hesitant to to trust Microsoft with this, but honestly, with all that they are doing recently, they're going into the right direction in terms of the open source community. Um, 
what I really love about Clarity is the heat map tracking, the recording of the sessions. I think it's not a full replacement for Google Analytics because I, Analytics dives so much deeper into the traffic, like the traffic sources, demographics, the split between devices, the, the geographical information that you can get is all so much deeper, so much better in Google Analytics. But what you can see in Clarity that Google Analytics doesn't offer you are those heat maps and are those recordings. And I've just, um, to to refresh my memory, I've just, before our call, went through the recordings from one of my online shops that sells uh, merchandise around my event. And it's so cool to see people actually on their phone browsing and you, you see where people tap and stuff like that. And that that is um, de depending on... How many how much traffic you have, <laughs> you can spend another two months in Clarity watching all yep. those session recordings. But what what I would love, what I would advise to do is, I would combine the two things. So when you identify the pages that I, you think have issues in Google Analytics, oh, thanks for bringing this up. That's amazing. Mm -hmm. um, <laughs> you, you see. Uh, the pages in Google Analytics that you want to look at. And then in Clarity, you can go into the Recordings tab, for example. You can open that URL, and then Clarity shows you how people are actually using that specific URL, which I think is really, really helpful because it identifies if people are clicking on the right things, for example. If you have this very fancy design, sometimes what happens is links aren't identifiable as links easily or buttons aren't identifiable as buttons and nobody clicks on them. And instead, they, they click on a slideshow or something like that because they right. see something moving there. And it's the same with, with the heat maps, really. I, I prefer heat maps over the recordings because the heat maps show aggregated data, whereas the recording right. is just one user per recording, yeah. which... I think is less statistically significant, but both tools combined give you a lot of clarity on the sections where people get stuck, where people don't understand something, for example, or if you have these really fancy photos and people spend like four minutes watching your photos on the website and then leave the page, that's a sign for you to interrupt them at some point, maybe add a pop-up after two minutes if necessary, or just reduce the gallery to normal size after two minutes because... Yeah. nobody's really looking for four minutes onto a photo and, and just admiring every little detail because you're not uploading the photos in 4K, ideally. That, that would take just two two minutes to download a picture from the website. You know, I'd love to share two two things that I, I think would be really cool. Um, or one's really cool, one that uh, was a good finding that, that I discovered uh, using Clarity um, actually yesterday or two days ago, I discovered this. Um, so the, what, one thing that'd be really cool is you know, you were talking about how the video recordings are one at a time, right? Which I still get pulled into that rabbit hole and I wind up watching so many <laughs> of them because, you know, it, yeah, it is fascinating to see what pe how people are interacting with your website. Um, but it would be cool for Microsoft to down the road, whether it's a paid upgrade or if it's still part of the free platform, please make it part of the free platform, Microsoft, um, that they use AI to basically take all these recordings and see what everybody's doing and then put it together. Basically the AI saying, look, this is what people are doing and this is how you can improve it. Or like, here's our recommendation based on what people are doing on your site. Cause they know, you know, AI can, can determine what's happening and can make suggestions. I mean, look at Google analytics. They have these, this new insights feature that t gives yeah. you um, these AI driven 
pieces of advice based on your analytics, right? So that would be cool if they if they find a way to use AI to to aggregate all these video clips into actionable advice, right? Yeah. Um, now regarding the 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 heat map with the click tracking. Um, on the Imagely website, on our pricing page, we have a big comparison table of all the plans, right? So we've got the, the at the top is the pricing comparison table with a little bit of info, and then you can scroll down to see more with the B comparison. Turns out that people were actually clicking or uh, trying to click on the first column, which is a name of a feature, right? And, <laughs> and I'm like, oh, wait, it's not, that's not a link, but a lot of people are trying to click it. So now one of my projects is to go into that comparison table and make all those clickable, right? Um, yeah. Obviously, to new, to new from a conversion standpoint, you want those into a new tab. You don't want to pull people away from pricing t- pricing page so or much. May, but may, maybe just add a tooltip or something explaining that, a that tool specific tip. Yeah. column. Yeah. So um, there's something that I have to work on now over the next couple months is how do I... How do I optimize this so people aren't clicking for no reason, right? So, yeah. well, what, what do you think makes makes them click on that element? Is is it the design? Is it the position? What do you think? It, it could be that it's just a little bit of text in a column that looks like. I mean, it's the colors just black text. You know, it's it could be that people are just trigger happy on there with their mouse. <laughs> really, there's no way to know. But I mean, there was a lot of people doing it, so um, I figured it's worth worth exploring to uh to figure out how to make that um you know easier for people or nicer for people who actually are trying to click (laughs) yeah that's actually a really good point that you are bringing up here is um always come from the perspective of improving the user experience i think that that is something i should have highlighted a bit earlier is when we are talking about this conversion rate optimization the end goal for the website owner obviously is to get more leads or to sell more photos online or to sell more gear or whatever. But that's not what we can focus on when doing conversion rate optimization. We need to make the experience for the website visitor the best that it can be, serve them, and then by doing that, guide them through the decision-making process. Yeah. Um, so I, I do have uh, an article with a video um, on the Imagely blog on Microsoft Clarity and explains how you can actually connect it to your website, either doing it with their, you know, their um, JavaScript snippet that you can put into uh, into the header or by installing a plugin. There's even a free Microsoft Clarity plugin that Microsoft produced. Um, so there's multiple ways you can do it. Uh, if you want to check that out, we'll link to that article in the show notes as well. Um, so... Do you want to talk more about goals? Um, how to how to maybe determine what goals and how you want to track those or anything? Do you want to dive into into the goals? Because when it comes to conversion, as you said earlier, if you don't have the goals, then there's, you're not tracking anything <laughs> for <Yeah>. conversion, really. <laughs> so yeah, the, there is this saying that uh, what's get what gets measured gets improved. The, the, the name who said that escaped me right now, but that, that's a mantra I, I really live by. And when it comes to goal setting, I've touched upon it in the beginning that you should identify what your website should do for you. So whether that is generating more calls, inquiries via a web form, uh, whether you have a booking calendar on there so people can book, book meetings with you, stuff like that. Once you have that in place, um, reverse engineer how you want to get there. So I would 
ignore Clarity. If, if you're beginning in this process, I would ignore Microsoft Clarity. I would still install it, but I would not worry about it too much because you just want to collect data in the beginning. I would go into Google Analytics and I would identify, um, I've written down four key metrics that I think are really important. That is, decrease the bounce rate on your page. That is, how quickly people are leaving your page without doing anything, without clicking mm -hmm. on a link to a different page on your website, for example. And you can do that by uh, testing various things. So it could be related to the traffic source. It just could be that you're randomly ranking for a keyword that isn't relevant to the content on your blog. I've had that multiple times happen. Oh, yeah. Um, could be that you are linked from some random page that drives traffic that isn't relevant. Um, could also be that your copy on the website or the, the layout on the website isn't compelling enough to, to make people want to click onto the call to actions that you have. And that is that uh, where, where clarity comes in after you've collected some data, you can see where those elements are, where people drop off and don't scroll any further, don't click on the CTA section, stuff like that. Then I would focus on increasing the time on page that people spend on your page. That is always a sign for somebody is actually consuming what you have put onto the website. So whether that is browsing through the image galleries that you have, whether that is um, going through the about page and learning more about who you are, what you do and what your approach to photography is, whether that is defining or set, setting in setting up a form that qualifies leads like um, do you want a wedding shoot do you want a family shoot do you want a baby shoot what time frame do you want to do the shoot in how many people stuff like that you you can go crazy with these forms you know right. that video, video content video yeah content uh, that's uh really uh really big right now in the photography industry where um photographers are now starting to get comfortable in front of the camera and adding a video on their about page instead of it just being text and a photo, right? So yeah, um, that you know you can you can take that idea and bring into other pages, you know, talking about your pricing on the pricing page and talking about the booking process and the and the session process on the booking page. So yeah, I love that. that that's a really good tip to increase the time on page. And to be honest, um, when I started doing more video, I mean, right right now for those watching, I do have a pretty fancy setup right now, but, but that certainly wasn't the way I started. I just started with a simple Logitech webcam in my 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 room with, when I lived with my parents. So it wasn't wasn't like that, and it doesn't need to be. And the the uh, benefit you have being a photographer is you have the nice gear. So circling a little bit back to imposter syndrome don't let that hold you back from putting out video i think it just makes right. you much more relatable you're, you're bringing up a great point here scott um then obviously coming back to the metrics we talked about the bounce rate and we talked about the time people spend on your page the third point i would say are the conversion metrics so when you set up your goals in google analytics i would look at those as the third thing because first of all you want to ensure that you have the right data in order to base your decision on if you have 50 website visitors a week then that's not a valid data it's not statistically significant to do any decision with 50 visitors you want to have like 100 conversions each before you can even start testing it it hurts to hear this probably because depending on your traffic levels it takes a while to get there but you just have to be patient i think to to go that route and to, to just um, 
yeah, wait for the data to pile up until you can make an informed decision on what you can actually change on your website. And then the fourth metrics I would say is improve the number of pages people open on a visit on your website. So that is doing a better job in guiding people through the website and making them look at the areas of your website, like the contact form, the pricing page, the about page, guiding them through those pages and guiding them by that through the decision-making process. You know, there's a, there's a photographer that, uh, that, um, I've had on the on the show, uh, I think twice or three times. I can't remember at this point. But um, one thing that that he Brian Caparici uh, has always pushed for with photographers is treating your website, photography website, like a any other business funnel. So when somebody comes to his website for a wedding, he directs them to a wedding funnel, and then there's like there's a page where there's the gallery. Um, there's another page down the funnel where, which is another page, which is, you know, information about his work, you know, how he handles weddings. And then there's another one where it's um, testimonials about weddings. And then there's another one where it's the booking. So it's like a legit funnel with um, beautiful call to actions uh, buttons that get you to the next page. Uh, so it would be good for a lot of photographers to start treating their websites as a funnel. To yep basically handle all 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 these these uh key points that you just brought up in one shot if you treat your website like a funnel you're doing that all of them (laughs) really yeah i 100 agree with that like for every type of service that you offer you should have a separate funnel i 100 agree with that yeah but it's it's a lot of work to set this up Oh yeah, yeah, and that's where like you know what if if you're just getting started, just get a website up, you know, yeah, uh, pick up the imagely theme, start with the preset, get the website up, right, done. Once your business starts growing, you can then start worrying about you know, okay, do I now design this myself? Do I now um, optimize this myself, or do I hire somebody like Jan to do this for me, right? So um, how do you know if you don't have the budget, if you're brand new? Start with the 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 least amount of effort to get your your site up. But your site yeah. is your business card. You need a site no matter what. Um, you can worry about the rest later. Let 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 Google Analytics, let Microsoft Clarity gather all that data for for two years until you start seeing your revenue come up and you need to expand or grow or do whatever it is for your website you need to do. Um, you know that's a one hundred percent agree. <laughs> Um, so is there anything else you'd like to share, uh, any final tips or advice you want to share with the, uh, listeners and viewers before we, uh, wrap this up? Um, I, I think we've covered a lot of ground in this conversation already. So what I would like to emphasize on is always put your visitor first. Whenever you're doing these optimization things, always put yourself in the shoes of your visitors. Think about what they want to achieve on the website, what what questions they have, what needs they want to get served by coming to your website, whether that is just browsing around for photographers in your area, whether that is actually booking you because they're already familiar with you. Come from that perspective and then don't rush things. Give yourself time to properly execute the tests don't overthink all those tests. I see many people who unfortunately let themselves uh, hold back by all the options that you have in the space. You can tweak so many things on a website, whether that's button color, whether that's wording of a headline, whether that's placing an image left or right. 
don't overthink it. As, as you said, Scott, get started and then iterate yeah. one step at a time. That is, I think, the most important takeaway. For sure. Great, great advice. Um, thank you, Jan, for joining me today. Uh, can you please tell the listeners the absolute best place to find more information about you? The Best place for now is wpagencysummit.com, but this will not be so relevant for people <laughs> in the space if it's just for photographers. Um, I do have a Facebook group that I would like to plug that's called WP Mastery. And this is for people who use WordPress. So if you are a WordPress user, if you want to learn more about how to make the most out of your WordPress website, check out the WP Mastery Facebook group. We are roughly 1,500 people in there, all very helpful, welcoming community. Awesome. You can find the show notes and where to find Jan at all the places at imagely.com slash podcast slash 119. Don't forget to subscribe to the show on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, Pandora, Google Play, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Until next time. You've been listening to the WordPress Photography Podcast. To listen to other episodes and to subscribe to the podcast via iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, and more, please visit imagely.com forward slash podcast.